Our scripture for today is found in Nehemiah 12, 40 through 43. We'll be reading on the New Living Translation. The two choirs that were giving thanks then proceeded to the temple of God where they took their places. So did I. Together with a group of leaders who were with me, we went together with the trumpet playing priests. And then there's a bunch of Hebrew names. And the singers, some more Hebrew names. They played and sang loudly under the direction of Jezariah, the choir director. Many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day, for God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration, and the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, welcome to my biannual worship sermon. So if you hear some concepts that are similar, uh, that's, that's the why you maybe, maybe you've heard it before. But we're in this series in Nehemiah, um, in, in the, wrapping this series up, and we're in the 12th chapter. And it's so appropriate that we're wrapping this up with worship, and it timed out that way. Because here we are, we see the Israelites, they've completed the walls. So after 52 days, they've completed it. And they're celebrating what God has done and the accomplishment they've done together. 52 days. Wow, that's amazing what they completed in that short time. And so now it is time to celebrate. They're going to have a celebration. So here's what happens to get to this point in chapter 12. The call goes out to the Levites. The Levites are like the worship assistants. That's the clan of the, the family of Israelites that are charged with being the worship assistants. So they start gathering up. Call goes out to the singers, and it says there that they went out to the rural areas to find the singers. I was like, why did they mention rural areas? Country music, I guess. So, um, (laughs) thank you very much. Um, And then after that point, after they gathered everybody in, prepared the Levites and the priests, started purifying themselves, preparing themselves to make sacrifices for worship. And then they gathered everybody on top of the wall with all the singers and the musicians and the priests and the Levites all together, and they split them in two worship bands, basically. It says choirs in there, but basically it's a band because they had instruments. One went south around the wall, one went north, and they played and sang and celebrated and gathered together again in the middle by the, taber- by the temple. Now, it's amazing what they have accomplished, and they have, a great, they have a great celebration taking place. If I would have been thinking about it, I would have asked the band, we should have sung Celebrate, you know. <laughs> but, oh well. Maybe next service, right? You can work it up real quick. Where's John? Anyway. All right. Maybe for next time. Um, so, I think in this, we can find a great model for our worship. Even though it occurred thousands and thousands of years ago, I think there's a great model here for us. Because first of all, I think every Sunday we come together, an element of what we do is to celebrate. We also celebrate what God has done in our lives, just as they were celebrating what God had done in their lives. And I was trying to think of an example of how this, to kind of explain what I was going to talk about today. And I was thinking, what modern day event what modern day event of gathering, large gathering of people is closest to the heart of God? What, what, what kind of modern event is close, you know? 
Football, yes. We're all on the same page. It's Texas, right? It's Texas. And so I thought, yep, football. And my mind automatically went back to my high school days. I grew up, uh, went to high school in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where Oklahoma State is. I moved there. My, my father finished up his doctorate in, in uh, there. It was just him and I at that point. And so I, I had a buddy of mine got me this great gig uh, in the parking lot crew for games. And it paid really, really well because you basically, and also you, all you had to do is basically stand there with a flashlight with a glow stick on it and go like this, you know. And got paid to do that. This is incredible. And it was even bonus if you got to work the RV parking lot because, A, you, got to get there, you had to get there really early because, of course, all the RVers get there early for the tailgating, right? So you get more money. But also, it was a pretty easy gig because every 15 minutes is when one would come in. So it wasn't that hard. And also, the great thing about it was, um, this is back, by the way, this is mid-80s. This is, big, this is big eight time. There's no big 12 yet. So this is, so different teams at that point. And what was great about it, sometimes they would invite you into their little compound. Because you know the RVers tailgate, it's a compound, right? You know, it, and it got really elaborate. And they would pull out all these different tents and awnings, the extensions off their RV. And I always loved it when, believe it or not, the Nebraska Cornhuskers came into town because they were some of the nicest people. Is Dan Schmidt here? Dan, Dan, oh, okay, I'll catch him next service anyway. They were the, some of the nicest people, and they would invite us over, share some food, and they'd see, show all the things they had prepared for that day just for that event. And they, some of them times they would spend weeks getting prepared with the food and, and days getting the marinade and all that, you know, and showing all the smoked meats and all that kind of stuff, and they would invite us over. And then the Oklahoma Sooners would show up. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. This is Oklahoma State, by the way, OU, big rivalry. So anyway, and then, so, so the OU wasn't so much because there, there was a rivalry. Nebraska just figured that we're going to beat these guys anyway. We'll be nice to them. But anyway, um, so all these elaborate things went in, and then we would go to the game, and we would cheer on our team. And actually, during that time, it was good because it was during Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas. If you know your football history, we actually won games during that period. But anyway, we cheer on for a bunch of guys who had a stuffed dead skin ball, dead animal skin, throwing it around a field, and we would cheer till we lost our voices. What if that was church? What was if that was church? Seriously, think about it. We come and gather and talk about the saving work of God. What if that was church? What was like that? So it says in the passage that they played and sang loudly, by the way. Did you get that? <laughs> loudly. And in verse 43, they said, they could be heard far away from Jerusalem. And, oh, by the way, I want to throw this, throw this in there. Go ahead and throw that, the next pick up. That's me in seventh grade, by the way, playing bass drum. <laughs> I, I thought I'd throw that up there because I was playing drums. You know, I play like once a decade, and I'm really rusty. But um, that, that's where it all started out, and I played a lot of parades and football games and stuff. By the way, I was the only bass player for the whole band, so I was charged with keeping the beat, Right? On every beat, doom, doom, doom. So that always had a very important job. That the thing was about as big as I was in seventh grade. But anyway, um, so I would have been a good fit with I think marching around the walls. 
So why do we celebrate? Why do we take the time? Why should ours be such a celebration? Well, it's no different than the Israelites thousands of years ago. They were celebrating that God had done a great work in their lives, that they had gone from bondage to freedom, and it is the same for us. When we gather each Sunday, we celebrate once again God's saving work in our lives. Amen? That's why we gather. That's why we should celebrate. And it should be some form of a party every week. Because we, are, we talk about it often. We're imperfect people. And a lot of times we're just broken, aren't we? And we are in need of the amazing grace of God. We sing that song often, Amazing Grace. But it's probably number one on the hip parade when it comes to explaining the work that God does in our lives. So we have this, we come together to celebrate. We come to celebrate what God has done in our lives, that he's brought us out of bondage into freedom, out of brokenness into grace. But if we look at this passage, we see something else in here, some other element that we have on Sunday morning that we need. Because you see, first of all, when we come to worship, there's two things going on. There's a vertical thing, right, between us and God. But also there's a horizontal thing between each of us. And we see in there that they were committed to one another in the work that they did. And the building of the walls and preparations for their worship, they were building together, committed together. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we see the New Testament version of this in the early church. It reads that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Not much unlike Hebrews during the time of Nehemiah. The early church had a need to be committed to one another, to bond together, to worship together because they were being persecuted. This was a new thing. These Jesus followers, they, they thought they were crazy. And so they were under persecution And so they committed to one another in also their possessions, in their needs, and also in their worship together. And as they worshiped together, so also they also had a role in their worship practice. If we go back to the Nehemiah passage, we see that each of them had a role to play. The Levites were the instrumentalists and the singers. The descendants of Aaron were the priestly family. They prepared the sacrifices and performed them in the temple. All the people were involved as they marched around. And even it says at the point that women and children were participated in the celebration. They make a point to put that in the passage. And that's no little thing. Because in Hebrew society, women and children were often secluded from social events, special events. So they were included. Everyone was part of this celebration. And I think, I just want to take a moment to say this, 
we need to examine ourselves too and see how open we are to allowing people into our midst to worship. That we should look at who we are and, and how we open the door for others in every life circumstance. The Apostle Paul talks about this and references in Ephesians 4, and he says that we are all given gifts by the Holy Spirit. And he says some were meant to be apostles and prophets, others evangelists and pastors and teachers. They all contribute to the edification of the body of Christ. And he uses that analogy of a body, that we're all in this together. And if one part's not functioning, the body's not functioning the way it should. We are all given a different task, a different gift, and that comes the same when it comes to worship. It's not just Laura. It's not just me. It's not just the musicians. We're all here to play a part together in this act of worship. We all have our role to play in this. And one, not only did they commit to each other, the next thing is they committed to God. Every Sunday when we gather in here, we celebrate what God has done. We share our burdens with each other, committing to each other that we're going to be there step by step through the storms. But we also recommit ourselves to God to say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. I commit myself to go out from this place and share that with the world. And then it starts all over again the next Sunday. But often we make this mistake, I think. The mistake we make is this. We just depend on this worship service for our worship of God. And actually, this should be the crescendo moment of our week. As we enter into worship with God during the week in prayer, meditation, reading God's word, it might be you just going for a walk in nature and communing with God. Those daily activities like that build and build. And when we gather here together on Sundays, it should be this big crescendo moment where we're all joining in praise together. But often I feel we fall in the trap of just getting enough on the Sunday to get us to the next Sunday. And I know this, there's many, many distractions. I know this too. I wear a lot of hats around here. A lot of times, a lot of people just think I'm Banjo Bob up here, but uh, um, I wear a lot of hats, and I can easily let it get, distract me. Because they're all good things, right? All problems that need to be taken care of, all good noble ministry projects we're working on. But if I'm not careful, I'm just going from problem to problem to problem or event to event and not communing any with God. And I'm paid for it. (laughs) And it's still hard for me. So I know there's distractions. But if we do that during the week, we let it build into our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. When we get to Sunday, it just becomes this joyous, spontaneous celebration together. We just recount what God has done in our lives and what he's doing through our church. And it becomes this one big praise fest. And we just thank God. From our hearts, it just spontaneously happens. We just started Lent last week, last Wednesday. It's going to go up to Holy Week. Often in Lent, you give up something, right? Maybe you deny yourself of something to allow yourself to focus on a spiritual need. But you also hear Laura and I talk about taking on something good during Lent. So I'm going to challenge you to do this. 
Would you take on a little extra time during the week, each day, to pray, to read God's word, to commune with him, to meditate? Whatever it might be that you connect with God. It might be a walk. It might be grabbing the kayak and going out for a paddle. Whatever it might be that helps you connect better with God and push back the distractions. For me, often what I do is just, I'll grab my guitar, because that's a lot of ways I worship, and I'll just start playing, and I'll sing what's coming out of my heart. A lot of times it's nonsense, but it's just me and God, he don't care, right? A lot of times I'll sing the Psalms, I'll, I'll play and just start singing a melody as I'm reading the Psalms. For you, it's going to be something different. But take that time on a daily basis to nurture your soul and commune with the living God, the God who saves. And when we gather together on a Sunday in this glorious celebration, we can just thank God for what he's done for us during the week and what he's going to do when we go back out into the world to tell the story of the God who saves. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the simple fact that you are the God that saves. You're the God that walks with us every step of the way. I pray, dear God, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd examine our hearts even now, and that you would help us, help us to worship you. We even need that much help. Help us to worship you, dear God. I pray you would bring to our minds every day this week to spend a little extra time communing with you. And that as we come back together, we can have this glorious celebration next Sunday of what you're doing in people's lives all through this community, through this church, and through the individuals of this church. We thank you in advance for doing this. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing our closing song together. Jay, guess what song this is? I'm glad you applauded for that because I was thinking, if you don't applaud after that offertory, there's something wrong with you. All right. Thank you, Gustavo. Thank you for all you do. Thanks for doing that because sometimes, you know, it's kind of like family, you know? You're just, you're there, right? I need to acknowledge it more. Thank you. Scripture today is Nehemiah chapter 12, 40 through 43. Nehemiah chapter 12, and I'm reading now the New Living Translation. The two choirs that were giving thanks then proceeded to the temple of God, where they took their places, so did I, together with a group of leaders who were with me. We went together with the trumpet-playing priests, insert a bunch of Hebrew names here, and the singers, more Hebrew names. They played and sang loudly under the direction of Jezariah, the choir director, Many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day, for God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration, and the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're here 
in the last uh, segment of our Nehemiah series. And today I'm going to be talking about worship. We're in chapter 12 of, this, of Nehemiah. They have just completed the wall after, the walls after 52 days of working diligently with Nehemiah leading them. And they've come to a place of completion, and it's a day of celebration. And I didn't read all through the passages, but if we go back to verse 27 in that chapter... We kind of see what's going on. There's, 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 what they first do is they round up all the Levites. And the Levites were a part, one of the Israelite families that was in charge of being basically the worship assistants is the best way to say it for them. So they put a call out to all the Levites to go and get ready. Then they put out the call to all the singers, it says in there. And they went out to the rural areas to find the singers. They had to go out there. I don't know why. Maybe they, they like country music. I'm not sure. They had to go to the rural. It says it in there. Go back and look. And um, they um, took then, once all those collected, and the priests came, and, and the Levites purified themselves to prepare for the sacrifices. And they all got up on top of the wall together with the people. And Nehemiah divided them into two in two groups, one that went south with singers and instruments, and another that went north around the wall with singers and instruments and everyone singing praises to God. And they come around, as they marched around, they came and met in the middle near the temple together. And that's when the party really began. So how does this relate to us today, this that happened thousands of years ago? Well, for us, it's, it's, I think it relates in this way. It very much us for every Sunday. Every Sunday we gather together, we celebrate once again what God has done for us. Not unlike the Israelites after completing the wall. We gather to celebrate what God has done for us. And I was trying to think of a modern-day illustration of how to explain what I'm going to talk about with celebration and all that goes into that. And I thought, what modern-day event that draws a lot of people together that's the nearest to the heart of God? What major event gathering of people in one place in celebration could be the, close to the heart of God? Yeah, football. You're right. <laughs> it's Texas, right? It's a football and I thought back to my days when I grew up. Well, I didn't grow up there, but I went to high school in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where Oklahoma State is. Um, and my father, we went back there. It was just my father and I. He went to finish up his doctorate uh, that he had put on hold for a few years. And so I found myself there. And a buddy of mine got me this great job as a parking attendant for the home football games at the stadium. And the, it was great because it was, you know, great pay. It was like triple minimum wage at the time, and you just stood there with a flashlight with one of those orange cones and went like this, basically. That's all you had to do, really. It was a great gig. And it was really good when you got the RV parking lot. You know, the RVers are the ones that come in really, really early. And so, A, you get more hours, so more money, but also they're some of the nicest people, especially the Nebraska Cornhusker fans. By the way, this is, old, this is back in the mid-'80s, Big 8, when the Nebraska still played all those, those teams. And I... The Cornhuskers were the nicest people. They traveled all the way down, and they had these elaborate rigs and all this stuff. And RV tailgaters, it's like more like a compound. 
you know. They have several tents and awnings and layout carpets and everything. And they would re- bring us in and give us some food and talk about all the preparations they had been doing for weeks and weeks to get ready for this event, you know, from sautéing meats to smoking meats to, you know, making pickled this and pickled that and all their different things. But then the OU Sooner fans would come in and just honk their horn out to get us out of the way. But that's a whole other story. But other teams were really nice to us. But I thought about that, and I said, you know, it's amazing because they do all this preparation, and they go then from there to the stadium to cheer for these guys who play with a stuffed dead animal skin, basically, and people go mad, crazy, cheering for them. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if church was like that? If the same zeal and... And fervor we have when we go to those games could happen on Sunday morning. I know, dangerous, talking Pentecostal here. That's like, hey, ooh, we're Methodists. Ooh, easy there. But what if we had that same fervor to that, that experience? Maybe we'll bring back the wave. Is that what we're going to do? That was popular in the 80s, you know. Start over here. Oh, okay. Maybe not. <laughs> but for us, it's very much the same. When we come on, we've done preparation during the week, hopefully, to prepare our hearts for worship on Sunday. I'll talk more about that in a second. When we gather every Sunday, we celebrate God and all He's done for us. You know, it says here in these verses that there was a joyful celebration. It said in the verse 43 that they could be heard far away in Jerusalem. It says in the verse before that that they played and sang loudly. By the way, just going to put that out there. And... Also, many, many times in there, uh, six times there was the word rejoicing, seven times musical instruments, and just on and on and on, all this stuff going on. By the way, real quick, just in, I, I knew I could probably fit in with that group because um, drums and cymbals were part of the whole procession. And in honor of me playing drums for the first time in like a gazillion years, um, I thought I would show you. You go ahead and put it up to jail. This is me in seventh grade <laughs> and uh, from the Madison Junior High Colts. I was the only bass drummer, by the way. I was responsible for keeping the beat for the whole parade, you know. I played quarter notes, boom, 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 for like an hour, boom, 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 but I was good. I was good. <laughs> but anyway, uh, sorry about that. Oh, you, we're going back to the other slide. All right. So anyway, um, the celebration was a big, big celebration for us. I don't think it's too much of a stress for us to apply it to us on a weekly basis. So why do we celebrate? Well, it's the same reason why the Israelites celebrated. Why were they celebrating? Because they were free. They'd gone from bondage to freedom. They'd gone from insecurity to protection with these walls. And for us, it's not much different, is it? What do we go from? We go from imperfect people, broken lives to the saving grace of God. And every Sunday we gather back together, we retell that story of us personally and of us corporately together, of this God who saves. And not only do we celebrate the God who saves, but there's also another element to the worship. See, when we gather together, there's two things. There's a vertical relationship with God that we're giving him praise, but there's also a horizontal in there where we're here for each other and for our own edification for each other to encourage each other on. 
And so that's the next thing we, say, we see is that those Israelites were committed to each other. And that whole process of building up that wall and getting it accomplished and all the preparations for the worship, they were committed to each other. They were a community. And we see the New Testament equivalent of this in Acts chapter 2 when the early church is forming. And in Acts 2, it describes what the church was like at that time. And it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. How was the early church like those in Nehemiah's time in Jerusalem? They were being persecuted as well. They were being hunted down. And so their community was almost a forced community coming together. But through that community, there was a blessing. There was a commitment to each other that gave a bond. So when they went into worship, it was heartfelt and deeply felt worship because they were in this together. When we gather each Sunday, it's not much different for us. When we gather, it's uh, the same vertical act of worship and the horizontal we once again come together and we share our prayer requests. We share what happened to us during the week. And we're there for each other to get us through those hard, stormy times. And not only are we there for each other, but we each have a role to play. We see that during this celebration, the Levites were the instrumentalists and the singers. We have the priests who were preparing the sacrifice and, and taking part in the sacrifice. We see all the people involved in the singing and praise. And it even says in verse 30, 43 that the women and children also participate in this celebration. That's no little thing that that's in there. Because in that society, women and children were often left out of social gatherings and had their own special place to the side. And for them to be participating in the worship was something that showed how wonderful experience it was that they were having and celebrating what God had done for them. And each person has their role to play. And the same is for us today. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians talks about how we all have a role to play, whether it be apostles or prophets, evangelists or pastors, teachers. We're all part of the body of Christ. He uses that analogy of a body. We all have a role to play. And that includes when it comes to worship. We're here to help each other. It's not just about Laura. It's not about me. It's not about the musicians. It's about all of us participating from the ushers to the sound guys to those who are doing the pro presenter video slides to all the prep that goes into it. It's all in this together. And so they're not only committed to each other, but when we gather every Sunday, we also recommit ourselves to God. We say once again... God, you are the God who saves. Thank you for what you have done for me. I'm going to go out and share that good news with the world. And it starts over again next week. But here's the problem often for us. We get distracted, don't we? A little 
It's funny, Mitch was distracting yesterday by a little side note. I came outside to do some yard work early on Saturday morning, and there's this guy in this silver SUV in, in, the, in my driveway, and he was talking really loudly to the dashboard. You know, and I was there for two minutes, and he did not see me. And I was just kind of standing there like, who is this guy? Who's this crazy guy talking to the dashboard? And then all of a sudden, he looks up, and he sees me. And he kind of looks around, and, I, and then he rolls down his window, and he says, I'm sorry, I was distracted by the phone. I'm at the totally wrong house. I was wondering why there were so many cars here, you know. And then I saw him kind of pedal away. And if you've ever been to Briarcliff for the first time and you're trying to find a place, you know what I'm talking about. He was really lost. But I tried to catch him, but he was already gone. But anyway, um, distractions, I, we have them so often, and oftentimes they're good things for us that keep us from doing this, a daily time of worship. Because you see, too often I think we're waiting on this time on Sundays just get enough of God to get us to the next Sunday. And the best way to worship God is that we've encountered him on a daily basis. And so that when we get to Sunday, it's like this crescendo of what God has done in our lives. And so when we do sing out those praises, it's just this resounding joy that comes from within. And even better still, if we're all doing that collectively together, there's this crescendo of praise of what God is doing in our lives. Yet we get so distracted, don't we? I'm guilty of this. I wear a lot of hats around here, and it's easy to get bogged down in projects that need to be done around the church, problems that need to be solved. And I easily, if I'm not diligent, can let that push aside my alone time with God on a daily basis. So I challenge you, this Lent season, we began Lent last Wednesday, it's going to go up until Holy Week. I challenge you, spend a little extra time with God. And that might be in different ways and different forms. One of the ways I worship God in a personal space is I'll play my guitar and I'll just kind of sing what comes from my heart. I'll just make up a melody as I'm playing along, I'll play through chords God don't care if it sounds bad or sucks or not. He, he, you know, it's just between me and him. Sometimes I'll play and I'll be singing the hymns. I'll read the hymns and sing those. For you, it might be walking out in nature and meditating. For you, it would just be praying and meditation in your study. During this Lent season, I encourage you to take more time. There's a lot of challenges out there nowadays on Facebook. It always seems like there's another challenge, ice bucket challenge or other challenge. I'm going to put a challenge to you, the Lent challenge. Take an extra 15 minutes a day and commune with God. Have your personal time of worship so that when we gather back together, there's this joyful collective praise of what God has done in our lives. Because when we gather together as a church body every Sunday, we're here to celebrate God who saves. And we're here to share in the burdens together. And then we are to recommit ourselves to God so that we can go out in the world and share that message of the God who saves. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that uh, you are just that. You're the God who saves. You're the God who's with us every step of the way. My prayer now is that uh, you would examine our hearts and if uh, 
if we've allowed distractions to come in our life, I know for everyone here it happens, I pray that you would help us to push those aside and take that extra time during this Lent season to focus on personal communion with you, but to be prayer, through Bible study, through meditation, just taking even a walk in the woods to commune with you and to view your beauty of your creation. I pray, dear God, you just help us to be committed to that so we can be true worshipers and get the most out of this relationship we have with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.